won't be a rainbow land. Magnificent. I don't know another horse who could have done that. Saturday morning cartoons were awesome. From the 1960s through the 1990s, we kicked off each weekend in a frenzy of animation that is unmatched today. But were these shows actually any good? Join us as we dig into the history of your favorite and not-so-favorite Saturday morning cartoons, look at the good, the bad, and the ugly of each one, and determine if our nostalgia matches the reality when it comes to these tunes. So stay in your PJs, grab a bowl of cereal, and settle in. I'm John. And I'm Robert. And this is Toon Talk. So John, growing up, do you ever get a card and just think, man, I wish I could watch this as a show all the time? No. No, me neither. <laughs> of course, at some point, you remember Shoebox, which was a division of Hallmark cards. They made, oh, yeah. They had yeah. The, the old lady. I don't remember what her name was. Maxine. Maxine. Yeah. They tried to make a cartoon of that. And thankfully, nobody either remembers it. <laughs> or is aware of it, yeah. and so that, that you know, the public consciousness of, of that is, doesn't exist. But yeah, so it actually they did make the effort. Yeah, they did. It, it didn't pan out. Shockingly, yeah. <laughs> Against all odds, yeah. it didn't work. Yeah, that uh, spunky old lady just yeah. did not translate well to television. But uh, of course, the reason that we have to talk about that is because today we talk about Rainbow Bright. Rainbow Bright from the Hallmark Company. From Hallmark, yeah. So. The exciting thing with this one is that uh, we we get to dig a little into history of uh, cartoons in the '80s. Yes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna dig right in because I don't want to delay the excitement anymore. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. So there's a formula on how this is supposed to work, and they did it backwards, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. That's what we found. Yeah, the American Greeting Company card company kind of started it, and they like. Oh, that's a good idea, but let's just work the opposite of that. Yes. And see if we, yeah. what we can do. But, but of course, like I said, I don't want to bury the lead. The most exciting thing that we're going to talk about in this podcast is FCC regulations. Yeah. Well, and I can't wait. <laughs> I know. Buckle up, Buttercup. We're in for it now. Starting from, from 1974 until 1981, the FCC, or the Federal Communications Committee, continued to add regulations into children's programming. It limited uh, commercialization so that commercials were limited to 12 minutes per hour during any programming geared towards children. God bless them. And there was an emphasis that was placed on the educational components. So they had yeah. to be learning something right. with minimal cartoons. Because basically the idea was that FCC looked at it and like, look, kids can't tell the difference between a cartoon and a commercial, so just put these measures in and they'll be fine. Yeah, because the government always has the answer. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, and then uh, Reagan's America came to us, and on May 18th, 1981, everything changed. Because yeah. the FCC changes at the top, and the FCC looks at it like, yeah, we're going to abolish every advertising regulation that has served as a guide for broadcasters to this point. They're gone, gone, out the window. Yeah, we're and, starting over. Yeah, so it's so the question of whether children had the ability to discriminate between what's an ad or what's enter, just entertaining, it was all moot yeah. because it was then up to the free market is going to decide this. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So again, very much in line with kind of Reagan, the Reagan, Reagan administration. At yeah, I wanted to eliminate big government. Yep. Yeah. What did he say? The scariest words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> <laughs> And as true as that is, yeah. uh, it, it made a huge impact on, on television. Of course, you know, all those changes that were wrought by deregulation, it wasn't immediate. So mm -hmm. obviously cartoons, they, especially at that time, they took, they took time. It took a year yeah. or more to, to create sure. a cartoon. So anything, you know, these changes take place in 81, 81, 82, basically everything kind of stays in line with the, the old way. They're all still kind of within those guidelines. 
And then in 1983, and a little thing called Pac-Man fever hit the United States. Oh, yeah. Um, I had it. Oh, Did yeah. you have it? Everybody had yeah, it. Yeah, everyone was, had it. We played the video game, and it, but it was everywhere. There's There were songs. Sure. Pac-Man fever. The disco was, song. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. it, it literally was. Sensation. It, yeah, it was a major uh, cultural zeitgeist. Yes. Um, it was, it was, it was, a, it was How, big. You've been waiting to squeeze that word in here. <laughs> oh, I've got it. I'm loaded up with them. I've got a list. I'm like, okay, this episode, I'm using this. So if you're not familiar, Pac-Man was a video game. It was an arcade game. I um, mean, it was a big, just a big yellow ball that you moved around trying to avoid ghosts but yep. it was it was huge. And eat it little was, pellets on the way it was a pop culture behemoth i mean yes. it was so it was based out of came out of japan um nintendo as yep. everybody now knows that um hanna barbera jumped on that said hey we'll partner up with you we'll make a cartoon mm-hmm. we'll give pac-man legs and arms and yeah. he's a cartoon now yeah and yeah. it didn't have to be good it just needed to be there to to bring more attention and, and capitalize on that popularity yeah. and toys that were coming out they made additional games Miss, mrs pac-man came behind it mm-hmm. and i mean they were it was katie bar the door beyond that because yeah. once that that door was kicked down everybody and their brother was going to like oh i'm i'm gonna make money off this too right so suddenly cartoons were, they were no longer just a product of animation studio. They were partnerships because yeah. they were between you know, whatever studio was making it, but any toy company or whatever major company held the, held the property rights, yeah. they were going to, they were going to make something. And it was the latter, the, the people who owned the rights, they had the main sway. It wasn't the animation or the writers or anything like that making thing making the call. It was, hey, this is my thing. I want to make money on it. This is what you should do. So it really was commercials. It wasn't about story. It wasn't about entertainment. It was about... It was a 20-minute commercial to sell other things. 100%. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And unfortunately, Rainbow Bright was one of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny because the, the impact of this de- deregulation was astounding when you come to, to children's programs. Between 84 and 85... Cartoons featuring licensed characters increased by 300%. Wow. By the end of 1985, there were more than 40 animated cartoons running concurrently that had licensed products and active marketing campaigns. That's incredible. Yeah. So it was... Yeah. It, it really, a behemoth. Yeah. It, it became a section of the economy. It was a 100% change to Saturday morning cartoons. Mm-hmm. Everything up to that point was much, very much about entertainment. The entertainment value kind of was kind of stripped out. Yeah. Just entertaining enough to make kids want to buy stuff. Right. And that was that was the name of the game of Saturday morning cartoons moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to this day, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there are the more regulations are ex- have come back in. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's less there Saturday morning. It's more actually afternoon cartoons. Well, of course, yeah. now everything's streaming, too. So yeah. that's a change. But yeah, in the, the 80s were the heyday of you know making a buck off your Saturday morning commercials. Right. Slash cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. And we were there begging our parents to consume <laughs> these things. <laughs> but uh, so to, to lead into our topic today for our, our show today, yeah, we talked about Hallmark, but the American Greeting Card Company kind of had the, the format you would expect mm-hmm. for something like this. So they, they introduced cards featuring these colorful bears that represented different feelings and emotions in a greeting card line in 1981. They called them the Care Bears. Yes, I remember the Care Bears. The following year, they followed that up with toys, um, kind of really kind of caught fire in 83. 
we can make cartoons. Yeah. And I mean, they serve as commercials, but you know, there's, we'll, we'll put a story to it and make it a little bit more appealing. And there's some debate about the origin. I mean, I said the cartoon didn't really debut until 85, but the cartoon was in the works before anybody else had gotten there. They, they were a little slower getting it out the door. Mm-hmm. But so 1985, the Care Bears are out there and not to be outdone, Hallmark greeting cards looks at it. They decide to plant their flag. Yeah. Like, hey, we're going to do this merchandising thing too. But instead of here's our card line, here's our characters, let's sell them, and then we can follow up the cartoon. No, it's like, well, the first thing we should do is create an entire division dedicated to licensing made up of legal, of marketing, public relations associates, yeah. and then we'll figure out the rest. Yeah, and then we'll hire animators. <laughs> exactly. yeah. So so if there's any doubt that, that Hallmark was in this just as a money grab, yeah. that alone, that fact alone should kind of put that to rest. Right, that's where they started. Yes, yeah. they started with a legal and marketing and public relations team yeah. to, to figure it out. So Gary Glissmeyer and Lanny Julian were the two people who were tasked with bringing, uh, breaking Hallmark into that. That licensing business. So they concepted the idea of a young girl with powers over nature. Mm-hmm. And then they went back and forth and they kind of modified it and it evolved into this girl being responsible for all the colors of the universe. Right. A little bit more, I guess, appealing to a wider audience by talking about colors as opposed to nature. Yes. You just talk about rainbows. Kids love rainbows. Yeah. Go. Everybody's happy. So once that concept's been agreed to, it's a matter of developing the backstory and characters and strategies to strategize a plan in order how do we get this out in front of people to buy it. Yeah. So again, we're still just, we've got an idea. How do we sell it? They have this idea. They decide, well, maybe we should make a cartoon. They know they're going to make a cartoon. So the first step is to naturally determine who your toy manufacturer is. First. Yes. Yeah. And in this case, they go to Mattel. Mattel gets tabbed to create and distribute the line of toys and dolls and whatever else. Because Mattel had had some success with toys. Well, yeah, yeah, they knew a thing or two about toys at (laughs) that point. They had something called Barbie. I don't know. Then they choose, they reach out to a production company. And in this case, they chose Deke Entertainment based out of France. And that studio provides the animation for the the television. They kind of do the animation arm of it. So now in both cases, Hallmark's new licensing group is kind of working with Mattel and with Deke Entertainment, and they're the ones that are calling the shots. So Mattel and Deke are kind of order takers. Like, okay, yeah, yeah fine. We'll, All right. We'll, what do you want us to do? Yeah, okay. we'll, we'll get paid out of it. That's cool. Yeah. We'll take it. Yeah. And so Deke does, uh, coordinates with TMS Animation out of Japan. Mm-hmm. And Rainbow Bright suddenly becomes an animated cartoon. With and, clear Japanese influence. Absolutely. That's yeah. the first thing I thought of when we, turned, when we started watching this. Like, oh, this is this is made by a Japanese animation. Yeah, these it's characters studio. look like anime. Yeah, it's a, yeah. the anime. The colors are like that muted 80s color yep. yeah, palette of pan, from the, especially from yeah, that time. And the and zooms the, and the transitions, yeah. all of that. Yeah, yeah, all the Very recognizable as a, as a Japanese cartoon. Absolutely. So cartoon gets underway and Rainbow Bright makes her animated debut through syndication so they don't have a studio they don't have a a network lined up for it like cbs didn't order it or nbc it was yeah they created these syndicated specials one the first one uh primetime special peril in the pits Mm -hmm. debuted june 27th 1984 so obviously before the care bears ended up on tv but their extra production was faster turnaround than the care bears at that time they would follow that up later a pair of two-part specials are produced the mighty monster Merc menace which aired the end of 1985 or 1984 i'm sorry and then the beginning of rainbow land which finally you get around the origin it's the origin of rainbow story right um that would air at the beginning of 1985 yeah and it makes me wonder if they made those first couple episodes and then like Oh, this is going to catch on. We better explain where she came from. Let's <laughs> let's do an origin story quick. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. Peril in the pits 
is clearly the first story they came up with. Because yeah. if if the beginning of Rainbowland to me, the beginning of Rainbowland aired first. Yeah. That whole series takes a different tack. Yeah. And it actually is entertaining and yeah. enjoyable. Uh-huh. And actually something I would actually be intrigued to watch as opposed to the way they really did it. <laughs> <laughs> Which was backwards. Yeah, like, hey, we've yeah. got a really good idea. We should we should make those cartoons. Like, nah, nah, nah <laughs> we won't do that. After those five episodes, they end up creating a slate of eight more episodes that then would run, essentially would, would serve as a second season. Yeah. And those would run 85 um, into 1986. And then at that point, they couldn't find anybody willing to air them anymore. That was the end of that. But I should add, late 1985, the second season's underway, and Rainbow Bright hits the big screen. Yeah. They've decided that not only is the TV the place that we got to... we got to go do a movie. Yeah, version. we got to suck some more money out of them at the movie theater. So yeah. they're going to drag their parents. And that was a common tact with all of those cartoons in the, the mid-80s. You know, Transformers did a movie. Yeah, G.I. Joe. All, yeah. They all kind of... Went there like there's money to be made in the movie theater. Yeah. We'll do that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately for Hallmark, there was no money to be made. <laughs> <laughs> um, so late 1985, Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer opens to very poor attendance and even worse reviews. There, there's really no positive review. I mean, for every single one of them looks like this is just a this is like a it's a mess hour and a half of a commercial that makes no sense. I think I believe the box office take was five million dollars. Oh, Which wow. even then was not good. No. I mean, you look at it now, no, that would be a yeah, flop. This pretty was, poor. This was a flop. This yeah. did not go well. So that was kind of the writing on the wall. And obviously no network is going to like, oh, yeah, we'll take more of those. <laughs> right. That, so that would... That it's would not be, like they had Tom and Jerry on their hands. No. No, <laughs> no that would be the end of Rainbow Bright for the time being. It, it, she would show up four more times. Uh, there's four more reboots in, in our history here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to dig into him because uh, so 1996 it, it, she comes back. This, this is the most significant one because they changed it. She was no more uh, no longer in charge of um, rainbow colors. It was about diversity. Yes. So they kind of turned it on its ear, which actually is very interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, nobody's going for it, right. especially in 1996. It actually might work now. Now it'd be yeah, but not so much in 1996. So 2003, just for coming up on the 20th anniversary, they rebooted. Um, again, went back to the uh, that original conceit of Rainbow Bright, the Rainbow, the kids, all that stuff. Ran for about a year. Again, 2009, same kind of turnaround, about 25th anniversary, same characters, really yep. no traction, disappeared. No. And then 2015, one more time, di- totally different animation look. Um, yeah. Very different look. Still... Nothing. Not much to it. They, there yeah. was a small comic book miniseries attached to that one. Yeah, I think they were hoping to build like a cult following. And, you know, the people who watch these and the little girls who watch this in the 80s are now in their 40s. And there, and there, there is, as with anything, there's always a cult following of it, but it's not big enough to sustain. Yeah. They're not going to pay for it. No. <laughs> well, yeah, they're not, they're not going to, they're not making enough money to, to allow them to make more. It's just right. not there. So. Yeah. So what has fascinated me now that we're four episodes into this podcast and what I've learned in every one of them is that good or bad, it seems like that voice talent has always been pretty good because mm-hmm. not just any actor can pull this off because you don't have your body and your face to get the point across and show the emotions on your face. You have to do it all through your voice and trust that the animator mm-hmm. is going to portray the rest of it. Right. Right. So that's a leap of faith as an actor. It's like acting, but nobody can see you. Right. Which is kind of weird. You know, and in my background as a broadcaster working in radio, you know, you would have to play tricks with yourself like, 
not everybody hates snow. So when I'm reading the weather, you know, there are some people who are very excited about the snow. So I always had to feel positive when I'm reading the weather, even though the weather was rubbish. I always had to play this, you know, excited about, hey, it's raining. Isn't it great for the farmers? Or, hey, it's snowing. Get your skis ready. And half the people are going, oh, God, it's snowing again. And the other half people are going, yay, school's closed, you know. So, so I've found when I'm going through the, the actors of these episodes, like, wow, these are some really talented people who have done a ton of stuff. You know, it's not like they just do one cartoon. The ones who are good have a litany right. of different cartoons and different characters, different franchises that they get involved in. And you look on Internet Movie Database, is like one of my favorite websites, and you go down the rabbit hole on that and you connect all these pieces together and it, it's just fascinating to me. And And this is no exception. I mean, there were arguably one of the best voice actors in the history of animation in this cartoon, Peter Cullen, who, of course, is the voice of Optimus Prime. Um, he's the voice of Eeyore. Um, he made the noise that the Predator made um, in the Predator movies. And you can't find a more iconic voice than that. Bettina Bush, who played Rainbow Bright, was also Gloria the Hippo in Madagascar. She was Lucy Little in The Littles, Kai Green in Ben 10, Alyssa in Rugrats, and a whole bunch of video game voice work. And Scott Menville, who plays Brian, who really doesn't have a huge part in this, also had some other great work, like in Teen Titans. He was with Teen Titans for, you know, starting in 2003 through 2018. He was in Teen Titans. The Lego Batman DVD series, not the mm-hmm. not the Hollywood production, but the DVD, like straight-to-DVD right. stuff. He plays Robin in the Lego Batman stuff. So just with those three, you've got three really good voice actors in a cartoon that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> but their performances with what they were given, like, you know, we talked about um, Garrett in Hulk Hogan's yeah, Rock yeah. and Wrestling. He did a great job with what he was given. Right. And, and I feel the same way with these three, that they did a good job with the material they were given. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they were paid well for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if nothing else, they definitely uh, were able to translate it into more career opportunities down the road. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, wow, he did a good job with that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what could he do with real writing and real, real storylines? Yeah. You know, and Peter Cullen is Optimus Prime. There is just hundreds of performances, hundreds of different episodes of and different universes of Transformers, but it's always Peter Cullen. Yeah, and he's yeah, he's still in, in the And he's still doing the movies. Production movies, yep, he's mm-hmm. still Optimus Prime. And, yeah. and it's funny when you you hear him in this in the series, uh, because he's he's a couple different characters. But yes. you once you know it's him, you hear him. Yeah. You hear it. Even despite the the characterizations he put in. Yeah. It's still it's a very it's, distinct. Yeah. That, yeah. That's that's Optimus Prime. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to look around that. Yeah. Um, so the characters in in this series of Rainbow Bright, there's, you know, there's the good guys and the bad guys. So they had that figured out mm-hmm. at least. But I will go kind of in order of least important to to most important. All right, start with the color uh, kids. So then. the color kids, yeah, start with the color kids cuz they to me if the color kids weren't in any of these episodes it wouldn't change a thing. No. The color kids were just like we need more toys. They're so useless. Yeah. They they are as useless as can be. They, yeah. I, I believe there was I, I can let you kind of run through them, but I'll, yeah. when you get to the one who actually did contribute that one time in one episode, yeah. I'll point it out, but yep. they otherwise they were Otherwise just, they were just background. They literally just stood there and like 
wait till Rainbow Bright gets here. Yeah. Then she can help us. What do we do? Yeah, what do we do? We wait for Rainbow Bright. Yeah. <laughs> they literally huddle around and wait for her to show up. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. oh, it's just crazy. Um, so the color kids, their, their job was to spread color across the universe from the color console in the color castle. You know, where else would the color console be but in the color <laughs> castle? And each kid was in charge of a different color, and they had a personal sprite, uh, like an assistant that worked with them. A yeah, little, little, um, little dust ball. A little dust ball yeah. with legs, yeah. all different colors. And they worked in the mine to get the color crystals to make the colors, these little sprites. And the crystals are processed into star sprinkles, and they're the components of brightening and coloring any object or place. Um, Rainbow Bright and the Color Kids, often their efforts were complicated by Murky Dismal, the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But the, the sprites, they would just run away as soon as they saw the bad guy. Well, and the Color Kids didn't know what to do. The, the sprites were slaves. Yes. I mean, they were indentured they, servants. They were indentured servants. Like, hey, literally, go work in the mines. <laughs> go go, get them. go bring us our crystals. Yeah. And, yeah. So we can do our job. That's, that's the only thing they had to do. It's like, go to the mine and get us, go get us more crystals. Go get crystals. Yeah, yeah. Get to work. You don't see where they live because they live in the mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're too busy working. Yeah, they're too busy yeah. working. So the color kids each represented a color. Um, there was Red Butler. Obviously, he was red. Fearless, but sometimes didn't know when he should be afraid. His name was a play on Rhett Butler, Gone with the Wind. Layla Orange, her colors, orange, a very girly girl. Her sprite is named OJ. Go figure. <laughs> Canary Yellow, laid back and easygoing. Uh, her sprite is Spark. Patio Green, of course, is the green one. Um, pride for her knack for practical jokes, kind of like a leprechaun would be. Um, and her sprite is Lucky. Buddy Blue. Most athletic of the color kids, his sprite is called Champ because he's an athlete. Indigo Doll likes to sing and dance and entertain. Her sprite is Hammy, which I don't know why. That doesn't really make any sense. Shy Violet is purple. Um, She's very smart, has a habit of giving overly complex and technical analysis where she could just say, it's over there. You know, it's kind of one of these people, like if you ask them what time it was, she'd tell you how to build a watch. (laughs) And her sprite was called IQ. Well, and Shy Violet is the only one who actually practically helps in any episode. So the one, the Invasion of Rainbow Land. Yes. Which, <laughs> um, talk about, as, as illogical as Aliens. some of these episodes are, this is, that was the worst of the worst. It made no sense from beginning no. to end. But, so the gist of it is a alien land crash lands on in Rainbow Land and can't get his ship to get up and going. Yeah. And so... Somehow she knows how to fix it. Figures out how to fix the UFO. She fixes the UFO <laughs> and saves the day. Finds out that it runs on color. Yeah. And we have a lot of that. <laughs> we can make this thing go again. Yeah. Meanwhile, the aliens are absorbing all the color because yeah. that's what they subside on. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys get your energy from food. We get ours from color. Yeah. And they're like, we got to get these guys out of here. They're going to take all our color. Well, and every time this alien, I mean, he clearly, it doesn't mean to. Like, he's, like he absorbs color and he's like, I'm so sorry. Like, oh, what are you doing? We got to get you out of here. <laughs> and not because we want to help you, but like, we got to get you out of here because, you know, we don't want you here. Right. I mean, there's, there's, there's no there's no hiding the disdain for this thing. No, they just want them gone. Yeah. And, and interesting, in the, to one more point for the color kids, when they were first, the, the, the initial concepts were put out were all, it was all girls. Yeah. And then they looked at it. Because obviously this is aimed towards girls, mm-hmm. I mean, but then they realized, well, we should probably diversify it a little bit. So not diversify it in terms of you know ethnicity, but well, we should put some boys in there just because you know some boys would then would be wanting to watch this and, and buy all our stuff too. Yeah, which I don't think worked. Probably not too much, <laughs> no. Because <laughs> well, the male characters are Brian, the human from Earth who walks through a rainbow and gets color on him and. 
Rainbow Bright's got to bring him back to Rainbow Land to take the color off of him. Well, I got thoughts on Brian. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You have a good theory <laughs> on Brian. And then the bad guy, Murky Dismal and Lurky. Um, and then uh, Red Butler and Buddy Blue, right? And all the rest of them are girls. That's right. Uh, I don't know. If, I guess I don't remember if Patty Green is a girl or boy. I don't remember. No, I think Patty was a girl. Okay. Yeah. Because her... Patty, she's known for pride and that. Okay. Yeah, that's she's a female. It didn't matter. She didn't do anything anyway. No, but, she's yeah. background. Yeah. I don't. Did she have any lines really, other Probably. than telling a couple of jokes? Probably other than the background, like, oh, what do we do? What do we wait. do now? <laughs> wait, we wait for Rainbow Bright. Yeah, Rainbow Bright's not here. <laughs> so to round out the color kids, we had tickled pink, bubbly, smiley, talented baton twirler of all things. Moon Glow is in charge of making the night sky beautiful. Um, she has night sprite. There's Stormy, who lives in the clouds and enjoys making rainstorms. One point, Rainbow Bright needs to go up and tell her, hey, spring's over, it's summer, now quit it. <laughs> yeah, she's a little more uh, antagonistic. Yes. As yeah. the color kids go. But, yeah. but it's like she wasn't evil, they just, they didn't need her. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. we need you to stop doing what you're doing. <laughs> go do it somewhere else. And Stormy has a horse called Sky Dancer. Mm-hmm. And speaking of horses, Starlight is Rainbow Bright's horse. To say he's egotistical is an understatement. He introduces himself as the most magnificent horse in the universe. And there's nothing he can't do. (laughs) In fact, he says, I don't know if any other horse could have done that. (laughs) If I didn't know he was a horse, if I wasn't looking at him as a horse, I would think he was a jackass. (laughs) I mean, this has to be the most egotistical animal and he's not even he's not likable no he's not likable at all no but and yet he's a major i mean he's it's it's a, rainbow bright's horse he's he a big part of everywhere. the show yeah yeah but there, yeah there's so many times where he can't handle a situation i mean multiple times they, they get in trouble because he, he falls in the river like well, falls yeah. in the river multiple times apparently yeah, can't swim yeah yeah as you, as you pointed out he can't walk upstairs yeah they go into the <laughs> castle and he looks at the stairs, and I, the writers just must not have had a use for him. And so they he know just how says, to "Animate him going up the stairs." Yeah, he just <laughs> says, "Oh, I guess there's some things I can't do. <laughs> he can't walk upstairs. <laughs> you know, he just can't walk stairs." But then the he's still the most magnificent horse yeah. in the universe. And of course, I talk. I'm the I'm the best. Yeah. And when the uh, the sprites have a fair and there's going to be a horse race, he says, and I couldn't believe I heard him say this. He's like, I don't know why the other horses are bothering to show up. <laughs> and and yet he's considered a hero. I don't I don't know. He's yeah yeah. I mean, we haven't mentioned her yet, but the the queen of the sprites or the dark princess or whatever her name actually is. Um, she shows up in the very last episode. She shows up in the movie as well. Yeah. Um, she's the main antagonist there. She is basically the same thing. She's very egotistical, thinks very highly of herself, but mm-hmm. there isn't a, a lick of difference between her and, and Starlight in terms of their attitudes, but somehow no. he's a pretty horse. Somehow, yeah. yeah. Somehow he's on the good guy's yeah. side, <laughs> and she's evil. Yeah. You know? One of them's playing a snow job on somebody. <laughs> the other um, side of the coin, so that, you know, that's all the... Rainbow Bright's friends and and the Rainbow Land mm-hmm. people, um, you've got to have a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And Peter Cullen plays Merkwell, Murky Dismal, Murky Dismal. You know, mm-hmm. opposite of Rainbow Bright, Murky Dismal. Mm-hmm. Um, voiced by Peter Cullen, main antagonist. He hates color because it makes people happy. 
and the places it makes places beautiful and he doesn't want that and his goal is to destroy all color once and for all and make the world as murky and dismal as possible so he feels comfortable Mm -hmm. he's an inventor a scientist resides in the pits you know we had peril in the pits he lives there and i liked him he became my favorite character actually as i was watching the the 13 episodes because he had one focus and he was going to get rid of color you know, he wasn't one of these bad guys who always had a different scheme or a different plot. His goal was to get rid of color. And he had two ways to do it. He could build a robot and fool people into something mm-hmm. so he could steal Rainbow Bright's belt so she couldn't make color anymore. Or he had a fog machine, a gloom cloud, that he would try to spread the gloom cloud over everything and erase all the color. That, that was it. He he had different ways of delivering the gloom cloud, but pretty much that was his bread and butter, and he was going to keep trying it until it worked. <laughs> you knew what you were getting with you, Murky, that's for sure. You knew exactly where he was headed. Of course, all good villains have henchmen, and he had Lurky, who looked like a giant sprite, but he was brown. Yeah, he more um, looked like a cat's hairball with a giant nose. Yeah, he kind of reminded me of Gossamer from the Bugs Bunny cartoons. You know, this big hairy furball with a weird face and just... And tennis shoes. And tennis shoes. And bright red tennis shoes. You know, <laughs> Murky hates colors, but his henchman has red tennis shoes. You know, how do, I don't know how these villains get their henchmen. Like, do they have open interviews or, you know, how long have you henched? You know, <laughs> are you going to do something about the shoes? You know, and the shoes are never tied. Well, let's just say, I figured at one point he was going to trip over his shoelaces, right? Yeah. Yeah. Never well, happened. I was, and the weird I was thing, let down. The henchman, like... He liked color. He was just on the wrong side. He was playing for the wrong team. It's just, it's just a job, John. Yeah, it's, just a, it's just a gig, man. Why are you hassling me? Yeah, so he, uh, he, he didn't really ever get in the way, but he was just so dumb that he was no help. Right. So it was like, why are you keeping this guy around? <laughs> he likes color. He's no help. But you're, he, he's your guy. And you're relying on him yes. at various points. Like, oh, you need to do he's this. He's giving him yeah. important tasks. Yeah. And he just fails Yeah, every time. <laughs> just because he gets distracted by the color <laughs> that they're trying to get rid of. Yeah. And Murky lets his feelings about Lurky known. Because he's calling him names mm-hmm. all the time. Banana brain, cupcake brain. You know, he's always making some comment about this character's brain because he's a moron. It's kind of like a Laurel and Hardy type of type of situation. Yes, where, you know, yeah, exactly. Very much the Stanley, Stan Hardy, yeah, the punching like a, bag, yeah, and the just, yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so a big cast of characters, but only two or three of them really make any effect in mm-hmm. any of the if we call them storylines. Yeah. I mean, if you strip out everybody except for Rainbow Bright and Murky, yeah. You basically have the same stories. Right. And the story is Murky comes up with a plan to steal the rainbow belt or to get rid of color. And he just waltzes into rainbow land to do it. Mm -hmm. The the sprites and the color kids put up zero defense. (laughs) You know. There's cower in fear. Yeah. Some reason Rainbow Bright is off doing something and that's when Murky makes his move. And then the sprites and the color kids just wait around for Rainbow Bright to get Mm -hmm. back and fix everything. Yeah. And if you're not certain why they're not doing it, they literally tell you, oh, we got to wait till Rainbow Bright gets back. They, every episode. Yeah. If she's not here. we got to wait for her to come back. Yeah. Okay. Chase him away with a broom. Yeah. I mean, it, it, <laughs> There's a lot of you and one of him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's not like he has magical powers and he's not a big, strong guy and he's not going to eat you. No. They could probably just tell him to go away. <laughs> and they don't. <laughs> And in one episode, he literally just walks into town and grabs the color belt and walks out. 
I mean, that was his big plan. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go get the color belt, so yeah. I'll go walk over there and get it. Well, there's one episode, we'll get to it, where his mom shows up, and he literally just walks into the color palace. He walks in, they'll, they'll run in fear, they'll run away, and he's like, oh, yep, yeah, this is mine now. Yeah. Well, he explains to his mom, well, we can talk about it later, but he explains to his mom why they're afraid of him. Yeah. Yeah, which is hilarious. <laughs> We haven't talked about Brian yet. Oh, we need, yeah, because I wanted to hear your theory yeah. about Brian. Yeah, Brian. So you have a theory about Brian. Yeah, so Brian gets introduced, right? He's he's the first character you see in, in a Rainbow Bike cartoon. So in, in the uh, the special, The Peril in the Pits, he is this, I'm guessing, 11-year-old boy, maybe? Yeah, that's what um, I would guess. 10, 11, just kind of... Plays Little League Baseball. Trying to. He, missed, yeah. he didn't make the team. No. So he's... So that's it's probably because he's wearing a collared shirt. <laughs> and jeans. <laughs> and jeans. Um, and he's just kind of moping along and just like because he, he didn't make the team and he's all kind of having a pity party for himself and the yeah. rainbow brights floating along up in the skies and she sees him and go well we got to make him happy so yeah we'll send a rainbow up and of course he doesn't see it so right. she's like well how does somebody not see a rainbow yeah so she keeps dancing around and sending rainbows and he, he still isn't looking at it because he's busy looking at his shoes and so then she sends a rainbow down right literally right smack in front of him and he walks it walks it. right through it yep. yeah and he, be, he becomes color and suddenly oh what happened and yeah. now his rainbow bright adventure begins but they they treat him as if you know he's really he's a good kid and he's just they're just going to teach him how to you know, find find happiness yeah he's the, he's the really the evil mastermind in this cartoon <laughs> there, there's no way that this kid is actually a positive influence because he so that first episode Peril in the Pits, the, the plot for Murky is to I'm going to steal rainbow bright's belt I'm going to steal the rainbow belt and take control and that's it and they know that's what he's trying to do. Yes. And at one point, because Starlight's a yeah a useless horse, falls in the river. Yeah. And they've they got can't to try swim. And, yeah. And they can't get him out. So Rainbow Bright's reaching, trying to get him, and and Brian's like, "Take off your belt and use that." <laughs> so, so she's like, "Take off your belt and throw one of it into the ri- <laughs> one end of it into the river. Yeah, send it, so let him catch it." <laughs> so she does, and of course, then Murky comes by, comes by and steals it. I'm like, well. How else was he going to get that belt off other than Brian telling her to take it off? Right. Like, oh, you're trying to be helpful, Brian. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so he never really helped. I mean, they, at one point, they did try and make him feel better. Like, oh, you really helped save the day. And then yeah. he didn't. No. Yeah. And then we get to the next two episodes, which are the uh, Monster Merc, which is a giant murky cloud, essentially, that's set with sentience. That's, that's trapped in a... In a bottle. And he decides that once he gets out, he's going he's gonna to take over... He's uh, going to get back at Murky for putting him in the bottle. But he's going to take over Rainbowland first. He's right. going to get rid of all the color because why not? Mm-hmm. And Brian is has decided he's going to come. Oh, I should back up a second. So when we were introduced to Brian in that episode, he's yeah. busy doing his paper route. And yes. Rainbow Bright comes to visit and says, like, hey, why don't you come and visit? He's like, I've got responsibilities. I've got a paper route. This is important. This is my job. And then she's like, well, maybe we'll see you later. Yeah. And well, first she offers to help. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he says, oh, yeah, this is the clue that he's a, he's a jerk. <laughs> he, she offers to help. He's like, no, I get paid to do this. This is my job. And I don't need help, especially from a girl. Yeah. <laughs> Brian. So, yeah, if, if that does not, that's not telling. But then, yeah. so the Rainbow Bread's all right, well. Come and visit whenever you've got a key to Rainbowland. Yeah. <laughs> if that's a thing. And so he's like, all right, I'll do that. And then, you know, she leaves. And like, I mean, it's it's a, it's a 180 turn. He's like, screw this paper route. And he dumps all his papers and yep. takes off to Rainbowland. Yeah. It's like, well, why didn't she just get her help? You could have got it done and gone. And then, no, <laughs> yeah. whatever. 
So he goes, the monster merc is running, running rampant, and he's going to stand guard to protect the color kids yes. and Rainbow Bright when they go to sleep that night. He's going to stand guard. And he, quote unquote, falls asleep. He's too <laughs> yep. tired. Yeah. Jerk. No, the mind is willing, but no, the flesh he, is weak. <laughs> no, he's just like, hey, no, he's, he's clearly let them know, like, I, I'll stand guard. I'll, I'll let you and you'll be able to get in and get Rainbow Bright, which yeah. they do. They, he, he literally he, walks in. Yeah, and, he, yeah. he dozes. Mm-hmm. And he's probably, his eyes are half awake. He's probably half open. He's watching them go in so they can capture Rainbow Bright, put her in a bottle yeah. and take off. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I can't believe it happened. Well, well. <laughs> nobody believes it, Brian. No. And that's the cliffhanger mm-hmm. for, for that episode. They come back for the next one. And Monster Merc is still, you know, raining havoc. And they have their big... The big scene at the end where Monster Mark's going to make his move. He's going to take color away and he's gearing up. He takes his shot and Brian jumps in front of it and he yeah. loses all his color. Yeah. And Monster Merc and Murky and Lurky see this and they're like, oh, we got to leave. We've been double crossed by Brian. <laughs> Rainbow Bright and the color kids are all cowering in fear. And Brian's just kind of standing there like, oh, no, I lost my color. And so they just turn Decided. on the heel and, and leave. Yeah. And clearly, that was a signal for Brian saying, "Look, this is not the time. We're, oh, I this see where isn't you're going. this isn't yeah. going to work, guys. Yeah. Here, I'll jump in front of it, and that's just you know, if if I if I get in the way, that's a signal. That's we're going to reset, and we're yeah. going to do something else. There's nothing heroic about that. He just, right. His color taken away, and Rainbow Bright just gave him his color back. She, back yeah. you know, pressed the little button on her belt, the you know, yeah. like, that whatever she wants to do, reanimate the and, color. Yeah, yeah, and he's colorful again, and we're all done. No, he was he's clearly. Yeah, so the paper route was just a cover-up <laughs> for, you know, I'm a hapless paper delivery boy, but really I'm an evil mastermind who's going to take color away. He, he may be the uh, the king of shadows reborn in, in human form. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I love it. If that's the case, yeah. that, that makes me enjoy it more, just thinking that that's the case because I... It does make it more interesting. Yeah, otherwise, why is he there? Yeah, because he, he's no help. No, no. He, he pretends to try to help, but he's no help. No. And he doesn't really cause any problems either other than he's kind of a jerk yeah but he's rainbow bright's human friend so he's representing humankind and rainbow <laughs> well and that that begs the question what are rainbow bright and the color kids because they call them kids and or girls or boys but they're not human no because they're not like brian they're they're like they're shorter they got big round heads and like yeah. very cherub like faces and but even like... rainbow bright looked different from the color kids yeah too and then the sprites are obviously sprites or you know whatever yeah, they are they're little fuzzballs dust bunnies and yeah, yeah. They're running around and yeah they never explain what what they are if they're are they trolls or elves or what are they they're just no and maybe that that's a good lead into to actually talk about the episodes because i think we should start talking we should start with the the origins of rainbow land the beginnings of rainbow land because this is where my hopes and dreams dashed <laughs> they died at the origin story they, they died they died after the origin story so <laughs> mentioned to you before my standards on my expectations of this were very low pretty low yeah, coming was, off of hulk hogan's rock and wrestling <laughs> i was expecting very little out of this yeah I, unfortunately i was not disappointed <laughs> but for for the briefest of moments as i watched the the origin i'm watching this like rainbow but this could actually be something good yeah because I, I i watched the pearl in the pits and, and and hated it and then i watched watched this i watched four and five before yeah. i watched two and three and i was completely fascinated by yeah. this because it, it is like all, i'm in it's all the hallmarks of a good fantasy story mm-hmm. you have this little girl her name is wisp 
She shows up and she's there to find the sphere of color and drive away the king of shadows and bring color back to the universe. Which is a noble cause. Yeah. There's some mystic force who's who's transported that we don't really know anything about her until she just randomly shows up in this dark, gloomy landscape. Right. And there's a voice that talks to her and she's looking up at it, but we never see it. Yeah. And then it, it's only there periodically. But it's kind of following her adventure. It is a quest yeah. to take to drive away the King of Shadows. And yeah. it's actually for two episodes. Minus... Which is a formula that works really well. Yeah, and it, yeah. it is I, I sat there and watched like, yeah, it's not the greatest thing, but this is actually entertaining. If this is if this whole series is like this, yeah. I, I might actually have to change my tune on Rainbow Bright. Right. So I mean, like I said, the the potential for a really good cartoon was there. They just chose not to do it. <laughs> they, they chose not to make those good cartoons. Right. They made this instead. Ugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just so close. It was. It was, it was, and it was just like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. My God, Rainbow right. Rank. This could, maybe I've been ignorant of this my whole life. This is something fascinating. Yeah. yeah. It's like me with roller coasters. I was afraid of roller coasters my whole life. And then I rode some. I'm like, these are great. <laughs> And, and no, it's not. Well, this is like going on the first one, being afraid of it, writing the first one, like, wow, this is amazing. And going on another one, like, oh, no, this no, really was what I was worried about. <laughs> yeah. Because <yeah. laughs> everyone after that is just a just, bummer. Just bad. <laughs> just bad. Because they don't make any sense. No. None of these episodes make. Besides that, the, the beginning of Rainbow Land, where she finds the baby, and the baby is actually the sphere of light Mm -hmm. and she gets the rainbow belt and now her name is rainbow bright she's kind of turned into this omnipresent force Mm -hmm. for color and good and happiness which Mm -hmm. is what you want your hero to be yeah and then they discover an antagonist and okay this is set up to be really good yeah and then they don't go anywhere yeah the positive that you mentioned about murky is like you know what you're getting with murky the problem is you know what you're getting with murky Yes. It's like, he's not hes not really a threat. No. <laughs> he's just kind of there. Where, you know, as you have, just the name alone, the King of Shadows is like, it's and he's cool. just, just kind of... It's scary. Yeah, a scary idea. And I mean, put these kind of more ominous bad guys or yeah, antagonists in front yeah. of her and it could really have been something. But then where did he go? Where did the King of Shadows go? I don't know. He just never shows up, right? Again. <laughs> he became Brian. He be- <laughs> Maybe you're right. <laughs> he tried another alter ego. He's biding his time. Yeah. He's just waiting. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt the same way. Like the origin story episodes four and five were good. Mm-hmm. Not my thing, but good. And like, okay, we're going somewhere. Mm-hmm. Maybe my sisters were right and this is really cool. And then they just get bad. Mm-hmm. Some of it's entertaining, but things are happening in the episode that don't make it doesn't make any sense. Like the sprites and the color kids, like we talked about before, put up no absolutely no defense when the bad guy shows up. Mm-hmm. And the bad guy's a two-trick pony, like we said yeah. earlier. He builds a robot to mm-hmm. fool people, or he's got the gloom cloud yeah. that he's going to deliver. Um, and sometimes it starts to work, and then he kind of loses interest and goes back to his the pit. Episode 7, called Mom, is when Murky Dismal's mother comes for a visit and first introduces herself to Rainbow Bright. Oh, you're here to see Murky? He lives down in the pits. Go go visit the bad guy. In a flying Winnebago, by yeah. us. <laughs> yes, in a flying Winnebago. Um, and she kind of looks like Lurky. She's kind of big and tall and big nose like Lurky. So it's like, is she the mother of both of these characters mm. or what? And they show a backstory when Murky is talking to his mother. And we find out why he hates color. So he's a kid with a mustache. He's a, he's a toddler with a mustache. <laughs> And he's coloring, and he starts coloring on the walls of their home. And, of course, Mom gets angry and says, 
you will clean all this color up. You will make all this color go away. And then she says, if it takes the rest of your life. <laughs> and he hears that, and that's the rest of his life. Oh, well, he I, took it to heart. He did. He took it to heart. You, you I would like to... your kids to do that every yeah. time, right? <laughs> I'm going to listen to mom's advice, and I'm going to get rid of color for the rest of my life. That's my life's goal. Um, so we find out why he hated color, because his mom told him to. So it's just silly that that's his origin story. Mom got mad at me for coloring on the wall, and now I want to destroy all color in the world. Um, but it's it kind of entertaining because there was a new character. It was like mm-hmm. something new to look at yeah. in that episode. And I liked also episode 12, A Horse of a Different Color, just because Starlight was such a jerk <laughs> in that episode. Um, the Sprites are having a fair. The Sprites apparently play instruments, and they have a band, and they have a fair, and they have a horse race mm-hmm. at the fair. Murky Dismal makes a robot horse to enter the race, so he can spread a cloud of gloom all over the track and tries to kidnap Starlight. That way Rainbow Bright can go rescue Starlight, and now she's out of the picture, and he can spread his gloom cloud. And Starlight says, I don't know why other horses are bothering to show up. Well, and it's funny, because Murky makes a robot horse, and it's not even the it's not even the only robot horse in the race. Yeah, there's another robot Yeah, so from a, the movie. Again, going back to the movie. So this is yeah. about the point in the series. So the final three episodes of the second season, you have a handful of characters who show up, and they're introduced in the movie, and they just get plopped into this ep- these episodes. I had no idea who they were. Like, who I is this either. now? Yeah. And, of course, then you're researching it. Oh, okay, well, I'm not going to watch that. Yeah. Because so yeah. the rainbow horse, the... Robot horse just zooms into the scene. You're yeah. Like, and everyone knows who this horse is. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know who that is. Yeah. What's going on? Oh, it's Orin. Oh, and yeah, Onyx can, it was the name of this robot horse, is Onyx. Yeah. Um, and he's a big black right. robot horse. And he's like, oh, yeah, he can race and he can join the race. And then yeah. you have the, the dark princess who ends up in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they, I think they call her the Queen of Sprites. I, she's got yeah. different names. But so she's there and her henchman. I, I couldn't be bothered to look up his name. <laughs> it didn't. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. Um, but then you had Stormy and Skydancer who, yep. oh, again, they're they're racing in this race. And, yeah. you know, she's giving lip to Rainbow Bright. Like, they're in the race. Is, okay. Yeah. What's, what's going on here? Yeah. But And then Murky's robot shows up and they're like, well, well this other robot showed up. We'll let, yeah, we'll let oh, that great. horse race too. Yeah, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More horses to race. Okay. <laughs> again, no defense. Just no clue that something yeah. is, is weird. Yeah. Something's amiss that there's this other weird horse showing up. Yeah, the things that, that that jumped out to me. So the very last episode with the Queen of the Sprites is the name of that episode. That's one where she's got Murky and Lurky terrified of her from whatever happened in the movie. And so they're going to help her. And she says, well, you need to go into Rainbow Land and get something or do something. And Murky, who has to this point spent 12 episodes going into Rainbow Land every single time to try yeah. and do his plots. He's like, no, we can't go into Rainbow Land. It's the worst place ever. Why don't make us do it? Like, what are you talking about? You're there. <laughs> you basically walk in there all the time. I, you basically could be charging rent for people like this as much as you're there. It's, it's <laughs> just, it doesn't make any sense, but he's, no, like suddenly it's, it's the worst thing he's ever done. And uh, the, another one, so Murky's Comet, this is the one where this wizard yeah. is flying a spaceship and he crashes it or it breaks down. And he shows up and he's, he's literally, he walked into the Disney backlot and stole Mickey Mouse's costume from Fantasia. Yeah, because absolutely. He is the Sorcerer's Apprentice without the mouse ears because he's, he's got the red robe, the rope belt, yes. the blue Sorcerer's hat with the stars, stars. and moons on yep. him, the brown shoes and white gloves. Yeah. I mean, he, he is, he is sorcer- the Sorcerer's Apprentice. And I wonder if the animators go, how do we make someone look like a wizard? <laughs> oh, you know what? 
saw the sorcerer's apprentice. Here's how you draw a sorcerer. <laughs> that's what the wizard is like. Well, I'm going to be a wizard. What do I have to wear? Yeah. Oh, that's right. There's that mouse that, that he's a wizard. Yeah. That's what I. That's what that's all wizards. Wizard, that's like. what all wizards wear. Yeah. <laughs> or they're just like, well, if we if we make a toy of that, people yeah. confuse. They'll think it's Mickey Mouse and they'll just buy it and just make more money on it. Right. So I wouldn't put it past Hallmark to take that tack based on what we've seen. But uh, well, yeah. One other episode that jumped out to me was the the Star Sprinkled, which is there's a traveling salesman. Yes, who is, uh, which is, it reminded me of the Music Man. Yeah. I'm like, as soon as this character started talking, I'm like, oh, I know where this is going to yeah, go, and I'm going to hate it. Yeah, some huckster is going to go, yeah, he's going to try to put one over on the sprites, mm-hmm. because, yeah, why not? Right. Um, so he decides that they, he, he discovers the, the color mine, and decides he wants it. So he somehow... Happens to have the legal deed, like the official document to the rights for the, the mine. The mine, yeah. And he gets Twink, who's Rainbow Bright's sprite, to sign it away. Because apparently he's the officiant. He's a, he actually owns every. He's the one who has the rights to sign it away. Yeah. And the guy just sets up camp like, all right, now it's mine. Yeah, I own and, it now. And, and, and of course the sprites and Rainbow Bright and all the color kids show up and like, oh yeah, we can't do anything about it. Yeah, we can't go into the mine now. Yeah, we want to go into the mine. No, no, you can't. No. Because it's mine. Well, then he starts, he wants to charge them admission. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, well, you're Rainbow Right, you can go in for free, but everybody else gets half price. Yeah. And it's like, well, we can't do that. And then they just leave. Yeah. Like, really? They just give up. Uh, and, and the only reason he, he gives it up is because I think, oh, I can't even remember what happened. I, I think I've blocked it out. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I think it's, I want to say Murky and Lurky show up and they, they're trying to steal. Yeah, they, they want, want the, the color crystals. They're trying to steal too. the color crystals. And then the wizard, yeah, he doesn't want any part of that. He doesn't want the hassle. Yeah. He's like, he well, doesn't this, want, well this, no, that's not what yeah, I want. He's so just like, I'll give it back to them. I'd rather give it back to them than have you do that. Yeah, so you can just take it back. I'm going to yeah, leave. Just, yeah, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> you never, I never really owned it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, he does actually say that, doesn't he? Like, never really was mine in the first place. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the only other episode that stands out to me is, we touched on it before, the Invasion of Rainbow Land, which is the Martian. Yeah. Which, there's no logic in that episode from beginning to end. No. It doesn't None. make a lick of sense yeah. at any point. And I just... I sat there and watched it. It's one of the only, the, this is the only episode where I sat and watched it. My, my wife sat with me and didn't say a word. She wasn't really watching it, but she she made the comment at the end. She's like, you should take a drink for every time you say that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so apparently, I was, I was very animated talking to the TV. And I just kept commenting, like, this is stupid. This this should not be. I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. It shouldn't be this confusing for a right. kid's cartoon. But yeah. yeah. And how Shy Violet decides she knows how to fix the oh, UFO. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Who doesn't? Yeah, right. Yeah. It runs on color crystals. <laughs> we have some of those. Yeah. And they bring the color crystals in and they disappear because that's what the alien eats. And then they realize, we need to get this alien out of here. He's going to absorb all the color. Yeah. But let's give him more color so he leaves. Yeah, but they tell him to his face, like, yeah, we got to get we got to get you out of here. Yeah. You got to leave. You have to go. Yeah, get You're out of here, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you were a bad egg. <laughs> tell it walking, punk. Get out of here. Yeah. We don't want you. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, so the, uh, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. The episode four and five really set up a good cartoon. You know, there's a classic good character, the hero, and a decent backstory, and quest, a noble quest. Like, okay, you can see the good that needs to happen, and oh, there's the thing that's in the way of the good. Okay, you're set up, and then just, yeah, just falls apart. 
Well, and it doesn't help that you have these colored kids who literally do nothing. So she rescues them, but they don't do anything. Yeah, why is she rescuing them? I don't know. What's well, why were they in, why were they in prison? Because it's not like they were doing anything anyway. Yeah. What what kind of threat were they to the the King of Shadows? Right. Yeah, well, he just decided to lock them <laughs> he's, up. Like, he's like, you guys are annoying. Just, you just yeah, go away. going to lock yeah. you up. <laughs> We're going to separate you and lock you up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to a dark site. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the premise the premise was, was there. I mean, it had all the hallmarks of a really good fantasy story. It just didn't take advantage. No. How did you say that when we were talking on the phone? Or we were texting this weekend. You're like, this has all the hallmarks of a good cartoon that just chose not to do it. <laughs> I said... Uh, there's a ton of potential for a good cartoon. They just chose not to make one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, Robert's got this figured out. That's how I feel. Too. <laughs> uh, but uh, we should dig into the good, the bad, and the ugly on this. So what's what's your good from Rainbow Bright? You know, my good, and I mentioned it before, the, the villain was my favorite character because he was reliable and he made sense. I knew what he wanted to do. I knew how he was going to do it. I knew how he was going to fail. But it was entertaining to see him try. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he had this one goal. And other than the two times he built a robot to fool people, he had this gloom cloud that he was trying to deliver. Mm-hmm. That was his weapon of mass destruction. And he was trying to deliver it in any way he could. So you could rely on him to you could rely on him to do what a bad guy was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And he was not good at it, which most bad guys aren't. They always right. fail. And that's why, you know, the, the good guys always mm-hmm. win. So that was the good for me, is that I, that I liked the villain character. He was reliable in his, in his antagonism. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Now, the good to, for me, I mean, it comes back to that uh, beginning of Rainbow Land. The premise I really it has its flaws, but I was actually was entertained and was hopeful for that, like I said, right. for that for a hot minute, and yeah. then um, it fell apart. But I was hopeful for a brief minute. I, yeah. I mean, overall, I, it's... It's it's a cartoon. It's it is what it is. It's yeah. fine. Um, right. And and when you really then you, you kind of take a step back and realize well, all they were trying to do is sell toys. It takes some of that <laughs> that, yeah. that luster away. Like yeah. okay, I mean I wasn't entertained. I didn't like run away screaming and say God I hate this. I don't want. I, this wasn't a slog like Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Which right. I just like why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> um, it probably helps that there's only thirteen as opposed to twenty six. Right. But. I, I didn't feel like oh I, I didn't feel like it was a chore to watch them. I just sure. didn't really thoroughly enjoy them. But right. like I said, the, the origin and the premise I thought was good. It just they right. didn't they chose not to do it. Yeah, yeah, they didn't capitalize. What about your bad? Oof, so much. Um, actually, the <laughs> basically all the supporting characters mm-hmm. outside of Rainbow Bright and right. Murky. Yeah, they. The fact that they couldn't come up with anything for them. I mean, you didn't even have like a side story. I mean, there's there's no redeeming um, story arc for Starlight. Yeah. They didn't even give like one color kid a chance to kind of like, oh, they go off on their own and they get stuck with some bunch of sprites and they, they kind of help out or they do something. It's just like, yeah. no, every single every single case, it's just like, well, wait for Rainbow Bright. Yeah. You want the color kids to support yeah. Rainbow Bright and somehow come to the rescue or, or even be her troops to like, mm-hmm. hey, you guys go do this and this and this and everything's yeah. going to be fine. No, they're just... Yeah, like while she's doing this, we're going to do this, and you right. guys do this. There's no teamwork. No, it's just, okay, yeah. well, she's gone. Let's They're go just freeloaders. Hit some buttons, go order the sprites around, and you know, put them, <laughs> get them back to work in the mines. And mm-hmm. we'll, uh, Yeah. It's disappointing that there's just like, yeah. nothing beyond, really, the development of Rainbow Bright. Right. And I agree with you, because my bad was that the character introduction and character development 
was just not there. Yeah, it was non-existent. Other than Rainbow Bright has a good introduction. Starlight, even though he's a jerk, has a good introduction because she finds him and unfreezes him and gives him color so he comes to life and now he's a jerk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but you knew where he was coming from. Right. Brian, you know, he was sad and she tried to make him happy. But like the color kids just show up. The sprites just show up. You don't know where they're from or what they're, why they're there. Yeah. And then none of the characters even develop. They're just one dimensional, and they're just you're waiting for something to happen. And like, oh, maybe next episode the color kids do something magical, or they all join their powers together and do something special to save Rainbow Bright. But it never happens. Well, and so much of it is even not just the character development, but just kind of the, that world. It doesn't. They don't really dig enough into it. Like so, the color crystals they make things happen, but they don't really explain a lot of, in terms of how things function or yeah. like what what makes this world work. It's right. just kind of yeah. They're sprites. They dig up these crystals. They're all different colors. Of course, there's diamonds in there too. That yeah, which apparently are worthless. Right. And then the the kids make them work, and yeah. then they hit buttons, and then everybody's happy or something. Yeah, I don't know. Did you find it ironic? Speaking of the colors and the sprites, Rainbow Bright is all the colors, right? Mm-hmm. She's Rainbow Bright. Her sprite is Blanco, white. <laughs> No color at all. He has rainbow legs, though. He has rainbow legs, but he's <laughs> he's white. <laughs> just like that is so funny to me. And you her know, horse is white. The horse is white, and yeah. then she gives the horse the rainbow-colored mane mm-hmm. and tail, but otherwise he's white. Yeah, like that's so odd. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he should be tie-dyed or something. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, just just a shortcomings in terms of the world building and the character development. Yeah, they're none of that, that was developed. It was no. just let's do this. Yeah. Um, what about I, the ugly? I didn't really have much for an ugly. There wasn't, uh, I, I didn't feel like, yeah, there definitely wasn't anything that we would look back and think it was a culturally just, oh, that's wrong. Right. Yeah. So there was no like cringe worthy, like, mm-hmm. oh, they can't do that. Yeah. You know, it was pretty benign that way. Mm-hmm. Really. Pretty harmless. Not a lot of real peril that would scare kids. No. No no cultural references that I saw that were, no. were inappropriate. No, that's um, the, the one benefit of having that, that fantasy landscape of, you know, the rainbow land and the pits and it's all, I mean, yeah. it's not the real world. So they can kind of avoid some of that. Avoid that. Yeah. But, but it clearly, and that's not, that wasn't their audience. They weren't trying, it wasn't like a Warner brothers cartoon or Tom and Jerry that they're trying to appeal to all audiences. So they want something for kids, but they also want like something for the adults, the adults to kind of laugh at. And yeah. There's no, no this was, obviously this, this is, is just pointed at the kids. Yeah. This is, this is a commercial to sell toys. Yep. And anything offensive is going to harm that. So they, yeah. yeah. So just not do that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I wrote down, you know, cause I wanted to have something, uh, in the good, bad, and ugly. It just the ugly is that how flat the story arcs were. Mm-hmm. They, it just wasn't there. Yeah. Um, and it's like they didn't care either because they never tried to improve that. <laughs> no, the, the, all they did, they just would throw some other characters on, like new characters. Oh, here's more characters. Yep. More toys to sell. More toys, yeah. Yeah, and, and shockingly, it didn't result in a long, long-running series. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 no, I could agree to that. It's yeah. just... It's, so... Your rating here. Yeah, I I kind of went back and forth on this. I, I kind of felt... I gave it a four. Okay. Um, I never went higher than that, but I kind of dipped down to a three at one point, thinking... Uh, yes. Yeah. But it, as disappointing as the the character development, the story arcs, that origin story, the, the beginnings of Rainbow Land, carried more weight for me. Because, uh-huh. again, the idea is that whoever came up with that, that story 
had a good story. Right. They had a good idea. And just clearly they maybe they're the only that's the only episodes they Or maybe wrote. they found a better job yeah. and left. <laughs> 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 or maybe they get sent over to work on make, making some other character, bringing some other characters to life in the merchandising department. Right. But um the Rainbow Bright character in and of itself is actually I mean, especially for the message that they're sending to kids, mm-hmm. like, hey, colors and happiness and you know, just yeah. like you know, um, th- there's nothing wrong with and that. Bright and optimistic. And, yeah, and and, and yeah. for the audience, it's it's targeted well, mm-hmm. and it's you know there's there's no bad me- like kind of th- there's no ugly there's no really negative messages. It's a yeah. it's a it's a good it's message. Yeah, it's, it's a good message wrapped around a marketing effort. Yeah, that to 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 make money. So it's, right, we want things to be bright and yeah. happy and colorful and optimistic. And the bad guy is opposite of all of mm-hmm. that, and there you go. Yeah. So the premise, the the that that idea, but again, it, it just feels like we're just trying to print money right now. We're just trying yeah. to get you to buy stuff. That's why these random characters show up in the middle of the series that you don't know about, you know, yeah. you've never seen before, and everything about it just feels. And the color kids exist. They literally exist to sell toys because yeah. they don't do anything. They're they're not no. worth anything. But hey, this kid likes green. We can go sell a patio yeah. green doll. Right. But yep. yeah, it, it just didn't work for me. It, it was not the rock and wrestling slog that uh, we, yeah. we, we had last episode. <laughs> well, I remember your comment when you started to rate rock and wrestling was, was this the worst cartoon I've ever seen? <laughs> and you were debating on that. <laughs> and I'm like, he's going to give it a one. <laughs> or a zero. I, I didn't want to give it a one I because I, I know there's going to be something else at some point that's worse. It's going to be worse. Yeah. yeah. And I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> um, yeah, I gave it a five. Just because I gave Rock and Wrestling a three, mm-hmm. this wasn't as bad as Rock and Wrestling. It did have some qualities that I liked, like you know the villain, the Rainbow Bright character is good, the whole good versus bad, mm-hmm. and it's benign and not harming, not putting harmful thoughts in kids. It's not violent. There's no cultural indignities involved. It's still a failing grade. I mean, five yeah. out of ten is still an F. <laughs> right. Um, but I thought it was that much better than Rock and Wrestling, yeah. um, but not as good as as some of the other ones we've we've watched. So I was at a five, like right right in the middle. Yeah, could had the potential to go up and didn't. Yeah. So you know, lack of effort. Yeah. It does help to set a low bar going in, though. Yes. <laughs> you don't have to clear much to like. All right. All right. My expectations were met at least. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So Robert, I chose Rainbow Bright. You know, something for the ladies, because um, I know my sisters were into Rainbow Bright in the eighties. So why don't you choose what we're gonna do next? Jinkies and Jeepers and Zoinks, <laughs> John. We gotta do Scooby Doo. Where are you? Yes. The Excellent. Or- the original uh, two seasons of Scooby Doo. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah, I, I I can't wait. Yeah, we'll have fun with that. Oh, absolutely. For sure. And, okay. Uh, spoiler alert, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I know one thing about Robert, it's that he likes Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, cool. Okay, so that's next time. Next time. Well, I hear Mom. I think it's time for us to go outside, so that means cartoon time is over. I'm John. I'm Robert. And this is Toon Talk. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want more Toon Talk, you can find us on Twitter at Toon Talk Guys. Or if you've got questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email us at toontalkguys at gmail.com.